time has come to retool our playing for ourselves, for our students, and for the greater groove. And the big question remains, of course, what is the future of strings? Come on, let's talk about it. It's Tracy Silverman, your host of the For the Greater Groove podcast, The Future of Strings. And this is where we talk about progressive string playing and what I call post-classical string playing. And uh, what I mean by that is string playing that takes the vernacular into account, our contemporary musical culture that we're all living in including rock and pop stuff and hip-hop and jazz and all of that stuff that strings can do so well. Um, and that's what we're talking about here today. And this is a very special show because this is the only show so far that I've had that is not uh, where my guest is not a string player. In fact, I have the great Roberto Sierra here in the Zoom lounge <laughs> for a very special, for a very special Greater Groove podcast. And the reason I, uh, we have Roberto here as our guest is that he is writing an electric violin concerto called Ficciones. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that and talk about how he is creating the future of strings by writing a major electric violin concerto right now. So we're going to get into it, but first I'm going to give you a little background about Roberto if you're not very familiar with him. He's a Grammy-nominated composer. He's a Latin Grammy winner and Pulitzer Prize finalist. He's uh, gotten all kinds of awards, elected to the American Academy of Arts and Letters. That's a big deal. The uh, Received the Tomas Luis de Victoria Prize in Spain, which is a very big deal. And uh, this is a guy who studied with Ligeti as a student, got commissions from major orchestras all over the world, many major chamber groups. He's a, been the composer in residence, several major orchestras. He's got dozens of recordings with Naxos, EMI, BMG, goes on and on. And that's why I am so proud to have Roberto Sierra here. Thank you, man. <laughs> Sorry for that lengthy oh intro, but there's a I, lot I to I am say. embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, it's an honor for me too to be here with you, who I consider an amazing sort of unique performer. And that's the reason why, I, you know, when you're asked to write some, something for an initial instrument, uh, it has to be something that there has to be something in it that 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 makes you want to do it because you know it's it's not it's not very common to write for for, for your instrument but i realized yeah. you know i was dealing with you so so this has been a wonderful journey so far and i am honored to be in your program and i am delighted to be working with you and by working i mean working because this this has been yeah. a back and forth all the time yes 
I mean, I, yeah. I never had so much contact with a performer before, and it's been totally enjoyable. It's something I look forward to. In fact, I'll, yeah. I'll miss you once this is done. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Me too. It's funny. We're doing this on Zoom because we've been meeting every week on Zoom. Almost every uh, week. Yeah. Just about every. Yeah. Almost every week. Um, and uh, basically, um, uh, Roberto produces new music, sends me parts, sends me uh, music, uh, uh, and I work on it and we get together and I play examples for him to demonstrate uh, some of these new passages. Uh, I record them for him, demo them up. Roberto sends me a um, mock-up of the orchestral part that I am able to record with. And so I'll play my parts, record that on that. And so we can get a, a good sense of what we're working with as, as this process is unfolding so that you can kind of get some immediate feedback. And, and you know, that has been also very unusual and exciting because um, our listeners will not realize how 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 refined the process from your side has been in dealing with these mock-ups that you talk about. Um, I mean, I will send Tracy a mock-up and then a few, not even days, the next day he's already sends me back. Uh, what I would say, I know he would say, no, no, I still have to work on it, which is almost like a finished <laughs> performance. I mean, it's like I am listening to the piece the way it's going to be, which is also very unusual. And this is all done electronically, which is the sign of, of the times. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm dealing with music software, so so it's Tracy, that nowadays, nowadays is scary how, I, I mean, it still has a way to go, but how accurate it is nevertheless, in terms of yeah. giving you something you can hang on to. I have to say, you know, I'm taking advantage of a lot of those capabilities uh, in terms of editing my uh, little demos that I'm giving you. <laughs> These are not, I'm not playing it down from top to bottom like but that. But never, nevertheless, <laughs> I, I mean, you can, you can record in, in edited, but if, if the edits yeah. are not good, it's no good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still got to play the notes at one point. Yeah. At some point, yeah, I have to play them. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to talk about I think the reason we're doing this project together, and then uh, uh, you know maybe you can talk a little bit about the specifics of of what it is you're writing about. Um, but we met 
the first time we we met was quite a few years ago. I stopped. I was in Ithaca playing a gig, and I we met. We, we met before that, Tracy. We met. I think the first time we met was in 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 Nashville at a concert. Uh, you you came to a concert where a piece of mine was played. This this was this was more than oh a decade ago. Goodness! But this was a long, long time ago. This is where yes. it all started. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yeah, oh and and then, and then yes, we <laughs> met in Ithaca. In fact, I think this must have been fifteen years ago or so. Then, like yeah. a decade ago, you played a concert in Ithaca at the State yeah. Theater, and and we met. I don't think the the you see this has been a, a long a long kind of process because it's a matter of for you to find the time when to do it for me to find the time and to find the opportunities yeah. to do it so yes. it has been in the works for a long time and it's only now that it came together exactly you know the the, the stars really have to line up the planets yeah. have to line up for projects like this to happen um and and yeah so it which is makes it all the more wonderful and and uh I have even more, all the more gratitude to that it's happening. Um, but I do remember we got together. We went for for coffee somewhere in mm -hmm. in, in Ithaca, and um, and we, uh, we we were immediately started talking politics, which we do now pretty yeah. much <laughs> at, at least half of our our meetings <laughs> concerning that. But um, but we started talking about the the use of uh, what I love about your music, which is the use of the vernacular. Mm -hmm. You know, this acceptance and acknowledgement and and celebration of uh, the the cultural music of our time, our time and place, um, where we are from, U.S. and Puerto Rico, where you are from. And the the popular music that's part of our musical language, and this idea of not denying our musical language, which everybody speaks, like you know, let's just speak in the language everybody understands. And that seems kind of obvious to me, and it seems kind of obvious to you. Um, but uh, you know, we are actually, um, I think, sort of unusual in that in that way in the classical music world. You know, um, first of all, I have to say that everything is political. Even the the decision of not talking about politics is a political decision. <laughs> yes, for it sure. Is. I mean, it, it, <laughs> the, the, if you think, oh, I'm not. When people say, um, we are not going to go into politics here, which is a political decision that I make right now. <laughs> <laughs> but even when you say that, it's a political decision, and. Uh, and of course, uh, th that ties into into the larger topic. Which you, which you just spoke about, which is who you are, where you're from, that, that also becomes somehow a political, a political action, not in terms of partisan politics, but in terms of an action that you decide to make a statement to society at large about something. So who we are, uh, I think in, in music and the arts, because this is, um, how can I say this? We have been living sort of a post-colonial world for a long time, meaning that we have inherited this great art form from Europe, and and people seem to to, to grab it and 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 think, well, that's the language, that's the universal language we all just speak. I I I started to question that early on when 
when I faced that uh, people would say, well, you know, the work that I admire a lot, which is Beethoven Ninth Symphony, that's the language for humanity. And Beethoven has been used a lot in that sense. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's, it, it is universal in one way that it uses tones, musical tones, pitches, frequencies, and that's, I, that you can say is universal, but the way it's put together is not necessarily universal. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. I like yeah. it, you like it, uh, but it's, it's not universal. And I think we have, we generally are trained to think that we have to speak like that and use those mechanisms because that's a universal language. And I said, no, I mean, you know, my vernacular, yeah. you know, the music of the street in Puerto Rico, it's also universal. It uses, it uses notes, stones, rhythms, the same things Beethoven uses, just organized in a different way. So right. if I have to make a decision of what I'm going to say, I want to say what I want to say. I don't want to say what other people want me to say. I mean, these, these are very complex issues but I'm trying to summarize it in a, in a coherent way in, in, in this manner. So for me, for me, it's not, it's second nature, you know, it's part of, it's part of the way, the same, the same I notice for you when, when you play your, your, your violin, your, your electric violin, you're using the, 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 the sort of rhythmic accommodations or, or, or movements or, or in kind of mimesis of, of that, which is what, what, what you are, what your culture is, which, which, is, which is a very complex set of things. That's the other thing. Uh, yes. You know, it's, not, it's <laughs> not only one thing. I mean- It's not, it's very complex. You know, we are part of this larger thing called earth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, want to, I want to have the freedom to be able to write a concerto which uses any aspect that, that are within my vocabulary and that are relevant to what I'm writing. That is to say that, yes, I may use a rhythm that comes from salsa, and yes, I'm using techniques that relate to Johann Sebastian Bach, once I used to do, start doing counterpoint. I organize right. harmonies in a way, not what the romantics and the classics did, but I'm using a principle of, of how to look at things in a, in a sort of vertical manner. 
but but I may approach that from a different vantage point. And let us, let us remember also that um, that Europe profited also the, the, the classical era and so on from importing elements from the outside and they had no problems with, or even from the inside because people don't, are not aware, and I always keep saying this, that when we hear a symphony by Beethoven, we are hearing a lot of German dances. It's just that we don't know that they were German dances. Exactly. We, exactly. Because it sounds classical now, but but in yeah. fact they are they are they are from the earth, you know. They they are a lot of folk tunes, absolutely, many absolutely, absolutely. All those uh, Mozart as well, yeah, Mozart as well, and Haydn and and all of them. Yeah. So so it's not what we are doing, Tracy. Is not no. We are doing what we need to do, and I I don't yeah. pretend that it's new or old. It's just what we do. Well, and it's actually what's been done for the most part until kind of the middle of the 20th century, somewhere in the 20th century with a sort of modernism, um, you know, really took took hold. Took hostage, but... hostage. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> took hostage. But, um, you know, I mean, composers have always written in the, in the language of the day and the style of the day. And, you know, some of these guys were kind of, I think, maybe a little hipper than we give them credit for. I mean, Mozart was writing in a very, in the style of that time in Vienna. Um, 20 years later, it was out of style, which was like, you know, like rock then and 20, you know, 80s rock as opposed to, it, you know. It happens it always. Changed. It happens always. It, and they were products of their particular style, the way they dressed, the way they, the music that they played, the dances that they danced. It changed, changed just as it changes now. And the music that they, that these guys wrote, all our masterworks, were products of that, of, of their of own era. Writing, people writing in their native, in, in the lingua franca, mm -hmm. the language that people spoke. To me, is the that's the vernacular. That's the to me the meaning of that. And and we that doesn't mean that we shy away from dissonance. I, as you know, I use dissonance freely, but I use it in a way that fits my ear, not in a way of a prescription yes. of rules set by somebody else from Germany. The the the, the thing the thing but that we I said taken hostage and it did actually this the, the you know post Schoenberg um, post war let's say. Music, music, music became very rigid, and and there was a sense for it in in a way politically. It made sense because the world came out of a big cataclysm. Mm -hmm. uh, in Germany, particularly, I think a lot of composers post Schoenberg, like Stockhausen and so forth, uh, the the agenda was to ignore the past. They had to ignore mm. their past. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, they, they had to do a clean slate. They, in fact, rejected people like Richard Strauss or conservatism was associated politically with, with the right. Yeah. But I always, and I, and I see that, and, I, and it does make a point, but that's not my past. I was not in Germany. I was born in Puerto Rico, even if I was, would have been born here. Well, I was born here because Puerto Rico was then part of the United States. But that's not my past. So why do I, ha I have to adopt an ideology that comes from right. Europe? And furthermore, why do I have to write music that I do not necessarily like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And turns out you don't. <laughs> no, I, I don't think anybody should. I mean, if, if, if you like to write like that, go ahead. It's a free world, 
but the, the attitude of the free will was not the attitude then. They, there, they, there was this, this thing that if you wrote, I mean, people like Barber, Copland suffered in, immensely by that because they, they, yeah. there was there was this this sort of sort of a column of commissars watching what and, and that that is that is not to say that it's not different now there are there are things like that is just different and I, I I also realize that you know it's, it's naive to think that uh, times uh, times are always better the only thing I know is that I have to write what I want to write that's all yeah <laughs> that's all you need to know yeah and I, I'm curious since we're talking about this what the in, uh, influence and and what uh, your feelings are about working with Ligeti and and the influences that he had. What maybe you rejected in his in his approach and what you accepted and you know just just a, a briefly you know Ligeti was uh, or Ligeti I I don't say Ligeti but it's Ligeti he was Ligeti. he was he was a man of his times also I mean he 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 came by the way he came under very strange circumstances to life. He was a young man. He was in a concentration camp in Hungary. He was a Hungarian Jew. Then he came under, under the boot of communism later. He escaped to Germany. And he was like in a straitjacket there because again, people telling society what is accepted, what is not. Yeah. He came to Europe and he saw a universe of possibilities and he explored them in fact. But what I think, and again, I have great affection for his memory because I knew the man very well. And, and, and I, I have great admiration for his music. Some of it is extremely beautiful. I mean, but anyway, uh, the, the, the thing is what I, what I always think of, of Ligeti is that, I mean, he would do the most complex things and the most kind of sounded like from like Martians wrote it, but there was always something dramatic about it. It, it never lost. I mean, you, yeah. you could never, you listen to a piece by Ligeti and you don't go, oh. you know, you, you, may, you may be horrified or <laughs> I'm not horrified, but people may find it disturbing. Not anymore right. because film music, you know, has gone away with yeah, yeah. Or being horrified. But, but he always had this drama. This, this, this drama by that I mean something to say. When you mentioned that Mozart's music went out of fashion, in one way, yes, in another, no. It doesn't go out of fashion because it tells, keep telling people something yeah. from the heart. Yeah, no, it's, it has something universal for sure. In that and way, I think, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think it's the, the emotional impact uh, that- uh, That's that what I call the that, drama. In, yeah, in, the in, drama, in, yeah. It is dramatic. I mean, you hear something, you hear this, column of sound yeah. and then it goes to Make the orchestra roar and, and, yeah. and it's never it's, it, it, it never loses the sense of a narrative and a lot of these other pieces there is I don't find there is a real narrative I mean music from the 60s there is just a scholastic view of let me show you what I can do with this type of technique Yeah, and that is to me yes. of no interest yeah yeah Speaking of narratives, let's talk a little bit about this piece, Ficciones, story. That's your fault. You Fictions. asked me, well, what about having a storyline? And I said, hmm, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, I, I like the idea of a story just because I think once you engage a listener in a story, you have them hopefully till the end. 
because uh, they want to find out how it ends. <laughs> absolutely. And I have to confess this that I never told you then because I thought it would be impolite or off-putting, but I usually don't believe that music can really tell a story. It does tell a story, but it's a story you put into the music, the listener. Yeah. I make he you and I may kill ourselves making a story. I mean, we may write it and people may be influenced by, by what we write, but at the end the listener will hear the music and make sense of it in whichever way the yeah. listener if the music has something to say, it will say something that the listener will put together into this narrative. Yes, yes. And and I should say that, you know, the the idea of this when we were talking about it was uh, just to take something to inspire, you know, so, yeah. uh, just uh, so, a, a leaping off point. But I'm glad know. I did, actually, because it's been yeah. an interesting journey for many reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So where did you uh, so explain where you landed with uh, this idea? So, you know, I just said, hey, is there any story, uh, a myth, a famous a narrative like a movie plot uh, or a Shakespeare or, a, uh, you know, a fable, any kind of story that people might be familiar with that uh, or not familiar with that you want to work with. And that's In this case, I think I went with the more non-familiar for the general public, certainly familiar for people in literature. I mean, because Borges, Jorge Luis Borges, is one of the great writers of, was one of the great writers of the 20th century. Certainly anybody who deals with literature knows who he is. Uh, and it is, it's a character and a writer that I wanted to engage, but never had the chance to. I mean, I, I knew some of his writing, but never really, never really went into it. And, and I said, huh, this is interesting because it, I, I am always, I always like a challenge. So your, your question was a challenge. Okay, let's find a story and let's, let me find a story that I can do. And let me find, let me find something that is, that is, that is uh, inspiring to me. And yeah. it was more than inspiring. I mean, the, 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 I, I, of course, you know, too, because I, one of the things that the listeners will like to hear is that you send me a book about, which I have right here, um, about where you explain all the techniques, the chopping, the bowing, this and that, uh, one of your books. And I said, because that was so kind, you didn't charge me for, for you send me a second. So I, I, I said, <laughs> I said, I said in, in response to that, I'm going to send you ficciones um, or, or a collection. <laughs> which I have. Which I have right here. A, a collection, a collection of 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 Borges. That's right, of <laughs> Borges writing, and and I started with the one I I knew from for a long time ago, but I forgotten, which is the first letter letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph. And and uh, that story, I mean, it's the 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 the, the dynamics, the level of of complexities of things within things, of of mixing what 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 some people refer to as fantastic literature, and by the way, this is this which is like sci-fi, but even more sci-fi. This is mm -hmm. this, and this was written before a lot of the sci-fi came came along. I mean, it's yeah. like it's like it's like the Twilight Twilight Zone before Twilight Zone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and. <laughs> And it was awesome. I mean, it was awesome because it, it produced the effect of 
how do how do how do I express I express the idea of somebody looking through a little hole on a stairwell that is the size I don't know <laughs> the size like this and through that hole there is a light and you see the totality of everything you see everything <laughs> happening at the entire universe everything is in, under that happening stairwell the, and the past the present and the future happening at the same time <laughs> and you are able to see it and to remember it. I mean that that's that's a, that's also which is the other point the other thing that that intrigued me and also that I that I'm very fond of is it it, it poses sort of intellectual philosophical questions as to who we are what yeah. what does it mean what is reality for example yeah. yeah or or the fact of this strange place Tlon you know how do I express Tlon a planet where or a place where there are no fair, proper names so they can never say the moon they have to talk about the moon without using the word moon <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i am now in in flaminio which is which is the immortal i mean i i see that science advances and everything advances medicine it wants to make you live longer and even there is a talk of making you immortal never die i think those people should read the immortal <laughs> yes <laughs> it's such a great story it's such a great story and it has me a little bit worried because you you said you were thinking of making this a perpetual motion like a moto perpetual it keeps and going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> has me a little bit worried <laughs> uh, you'll see music very soon don't worry <laughs> we can stop Flaminio at any point. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And and in terms of writing for the violin, now you've obviously written for the violin many times before. You've you've got two violin concertos, I believe, official concertos, plus other violin and or orchestral works, viola concerto, cello concerto, uh, and a, a string quartet. Obviously, you've written for strings a lot. You know your way around a violin. Um, but what I'm doing is is different in two ways. One, because it's a six-string electric. Mm -hmm. And secondly, because I don't play it in the typical manner. So it's not like you can just sort of write something for this sort of a generic concert soloist or something who's going to play, a, you know, uh, and hope that, you know, 20 violinists... Uh, play this piece um it's a little different writing for me because i'm sort of idiosyncratic in the way that i play so um curious how you were the challenge the challenges of that and then we'll talk about the challenges of writing for uh youth orchestras and stuff like that so. i i would have never agreed to do this except for you being an extraordinary player i say that at the beginning remember that this is a kind of project that it's too loaded with with premises you know it, it, yes it's not something oh uh, you can write a, a flute concerto you say well that's not a very good flute player but there are other flute players uh, this is unique unique that that it's you and that for, for all the reasons you just explained but that is, that is also another challenge for me i mean if you were not a good player i would say no because what what what's what's the point then um and I was aware of all of that from the beginning. I just, I just had, had to learn more about the instrument, which I, I already heard because of recordings, 
your recordings. Um, there are your videos, of course. Uh, I have to learn about it, but that is not sufficient. So it's, it, it has been in the making of it that, that, that I have developed the piece. And I have, I, I told you several times, I don't want this to be, oh, he just wrote a, a violin concerto with, with lower, lower notes. And, right. or he or everything can be played in a in a, in a violin that is not electric except the lower notes and I, I remember very vividly it was in Tlon well it was before Tlon because I started to use double stops in my sort of habit of thinking of the violin and he said to me you have to be aware that these are not necessarily uh, the going to bring those those two notes there. There are other things that will come out because of the amplification and the way the harmonics work and you get these undertones. And I said, oh, I I need those undertones. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> that I wasn't looking for. You just you just you just, <laughs> you just, you just presented that 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 sound that you say, well, because you thought, I guess, Roberto is writing this, he just won those notes, but he's going to get more than those notes. Right, right. And in fact, right. and let me, yeah, go ahead. yeah. Just to quickly explain, um, so with distortion, when you play a double stop on a violin with distortion, uh, depending on the notes, you often will get a third tone that's as loud as the other two. Um, or louder, produced. yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of this just intonation, perfect intonation kind of thing that happens only because of distortion and a bow sustained note. Um, but it's something to be aware of. So that's that's the phenomenon that uh, we and, were talking about. And that is actually implemented at length in in Tlon in this in this planet. And I yeah. it was perfect for Tlon. I mean, it perfect. Idea, the idea that we had discussions about, uh, for example, the Minotaur, which is which is a, yeah. Asterion. It's a story of of Theseus killing the Minotaur, but uh, you know the Minotaur dies because he wanted to die. He was bored. He just, just didn't <laughs> want to go on being a Minotaur, and the, and then the story ends uh, with a, to, uh, Theseus saying to Ariane, and you know what? He didn't fight back. <laughs> so yeah, but I, fascinating fascinating short little story but it, packed it's with two meaning. pages and yeah and uh so so this this is where i use the the, the sort of percussive aspect of the electric violin so we, yeah. we have been back and forth as to because i i wanted to to sort of have the minotaur 
you know, stumbling and hitting walls as is described in the, in the text by Borges and running up and down. And so I have these very unrestful rhythms and, and, and therefore the, the, the electric violin was a perfect vehicle for it because you get this, this amazing sound that you produce when you're using your, your bowing techniques. And then there is the other aspect which has been very fruitful for me is, I mean, there, the, the, this, this, there is American Symphony Orchestra which will do the premiere, but there is a whole host of, of youth orchestras that are, have joined the commission. So I, I, had, I had to think of something that a youth orchestra can play. So I cannot go um, crazy writing orchestral. Yeah. I hope I didn't. Writing material for them that, you know, producing sort sort of lines that they couldn't play. So, so I I, ha I had to really think how can I make this interesting without going into into virtuosic aspects that that usually you know a, a lot of orchestral effects are created by sweeps of sounds or yeah or or strings playing very fast. I mean, you play very fast, of course. That that's the solo. But, but the, the, if I do that, to, if I put something similar to what you have in your part for the violins in a string orchestra, it will make, it will be too taxing and it, it, will, it, will, it will counter the notion that I want this to work for them as well. So yeah. but that limitation of, of, of what to write in that sense was wonderful. I, I think, and I, I it's, Interesting. it's been a learning process for me as well in, in more than one way. Huh, interesting. So uh, what Roberto is referring to here is uh, our, we have five orchestras that are co-commissioners of this, uh, and uh, th three of them are, are uh, symphonies, um, including the American Symphony, which is our, our um, lead commissioner, uh, the Vermont Symphony and the Meridian Symphony, but we also have the Youth Orchestra of San Antonio, Yosa, and the Richmond Symphony right. Youth Orchestra, uh, which are very high-level uh, youth orchestras. Um, but nevertheless, you can't quite go as crazy as you might. <laughs> and it's a real limitation and something like this. But, you know, um, when you hear the piece, it certainly doesn't sound like there's any limitation in the orchestra. It's amazing. In fact, uh, how, several times... I had to check with you because it sounds very complex. I'm like, are you sure this isn't going to be too hard? And like, no, look, everybody's just coming in on the one, you know? That's, yeah, that's... On, or holding a chord or yeah, it's, yeah. it's what you do with the harmony, what creates this, this, yeah. But that, that's, that, that to me, because, because I, I, you see, composers tend to go in one mode and they have the orchestras and they get nervous. Oh, let me write all these notes. It's, as, as Stravinsky said that, he said he loved limitations, and I can see why. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it, it forces you to use your imagination in, in different ways. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. That's really cool. And and I should say, the and the violin part, one of the things um, that you're really being quite specific about is the dampening, the amount of dampening that I'm doing with my left hand, which is a very non-classical technique that um you know you may you may never have encountered before in as a no. composer writing for um traditional string players uh because this is something that guitar players do you know all, the, all time. the time all the time all the time no big deal so it's not like i'm reinventing the wheel here but taking that type of technique is a big part of what i call this uh, post-classical violin technique, this idea of incorporating our popular elements into um, the, the standard violin technique. 
Uh, and what that means is, you know, um, uh, closing the string off so it doesn't ring with the left hand, but you can get different amounts of that. So you have actually notated at some points complete dampening of the string, partial dampening of the string, or just accenting, and all of those three being different from chopping strokes. So there's a lot of these different um, bow uh, techniques that uh, that you have had to kind of learn about, get used to, and figure out where they would be useful, uh, you know, in the piece. I mean, and in, and in this way, uh, I think people need to know that there has been a back and forth because you play it and I, and I say, well, this and that, and, and then sometimes I had to change it because I'm speculating. You see, I, this is not like for you, Tracy, you know exactly what this means. When I put an X or an X with a note, meaning uh, partial or full dampening, but then, then the effect that it does, because in my in my in my MIDI setup here, the the violin wouldn't do that. The, 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 right. My electric, right. my, my yeah. software violin here wouldn't do it. So yeah. so so we have been this back and forth in a very fruitful manner throughout the piece. So to adjust it to to that, what I what I wanted to to have as a, a, a as the idea of the sound. One one, yeah. one thing I have to say that that I noticed is uh, which is something that is wonderful, but it's also limiting is that I noticed in, in observing violinists since ever, from being at the conservatory where I started in Puerto Rico to studying in Europe, is one of the things that, that classical violinists who play the acoustic violin, one of the most important things for them is the sound, whatever mm -hmm. that means, the sound, but the sound, what they mean by sound is something beautiful, full, but very narrow in that way. Yes. And it, yes. And it can be gorgeous. I mean, there, there are pieces in the repertoire that you play like that, you know, like yeah. I'm thinking of the Tchaikovsky concerto or the Mendelssohn. I mean, that that's, yeah. and it's the sound, you know, it's like the singers also, it's the sound. Exactly. So, so yeah. they are not going to be doing ghosted notes because yeah. that's not <laughs> the sound. Well, it just as singers, you can have um, opera singers and Pavarotti and and uh, Renee Fleming, you know, with these gorgeous sounds. But then you could have somebody like Ray Charles, um, who's got a gorgeous sound I'm, that it's all a matter of, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Or, you know? or the question is, which one is a really beautiful one? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and and somebody who's got or or, or muddy waters, or you know, uh, yeah. you know, somebody's got like a total gravel kind of sound, and that's not beautiful in the operatic sense of what's a beautiful vocal tone. The, the, defini yet, the definition of beauty in the classical sense is very narrow, very narrow, yes. and and it can get ugly soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it's really interesting how. Um, well, I guess what attracted me from a very early age was the fact that the the sounds of the vernacular language of blues and of rock and roll and of jazz and hip hop, hip -hop 
are way gutsier and more, in many ways, more emotional because uh, they're not prettied up. You know, they're not just glossy, beautiful, uh, just this little part of the picture. It's a much more, um, I don't know, visceral. It, it's hard. It's hard. I, I, I shouldn't put it as one is better than the other. They're different. They're different. Uh, I mean, and in fact, yeah. it's better. The ideal situation is when you have a classical violinist, so to say, let's use that term, which is a kind of a strange term, as you said in the beginning, but you, when you have the acoustic violin and it can go, it can go out of there, of that platform yeah. zone, and produce something that is maybe raspy, guttural. Right. right. I love that. I love that. Or, or that violinist who is playing so beautiful and then the this, this sound becomes a whisper. You know, yeah. I, that is to me the most interesting moments at times. And, and of course, the sign of great artists that can do that because it's not about a fixed idea of yeah. what this is. It, 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 the, the point is to, to express. And yes, and, and the um, opportunity with the electric violin is that we have this wide palette, colorful palette uh, of uh, not just the classical techniques and tones, but these uh, post-classical techniques um, and effects and all kinds of effects, which you are taking advantage of and um, uh, is going to be a big part of what I am uh, going to be working on here in the next uh, couple of months leading up to the premiere in June, um, which is we're taping this now in February. Uh, I'm not sure when when I'll post this. I may post this closer to the premiere, maybe not. But uh, at any rate, I know that a big part of my preparation for this piece is going to be programming my effects because you have already expressed uh, the desire for me to be able to do certain things which I can't yet do because I haven't programmed them. <laughs> things like getting a distortion to go from a beautiful, clean sound. To go into a growl, a real growl. A growl, <laughs> yes, for a stereon. Yeah. And um, for the Minotaur, uh, uh, to do things and to end this, uh, this whisper effect that you're talking about, something with a huge long reverb, uh, all of this stuff is going to be very carefully programmed and uh, choreographed into the preparation of uh, and the performance of this piece. Um, and all of which uh, I think will hopefully help to make my point that the electric violin is... Uh, an expressive um, instrument, uh, an instrument that's at least as expressive as a, the standard uh, acoustic Stradivarius, you know, which has, obviously, uh, I don't think there's, I, I would, would never make the claim that the electric violin will ever sound as beautiful as an acoustic Stradivarius or a Del Gesu in the room, but uh, in terms of just the, sh the sheer sonority of, of that acoustic instrument, but it's a different animal, and it has a much wider palette of, of uh, possibilities and different kinds of beauties, as we spoke about. Yes, and uh, again, the question is, what is, how do we define beauty? I think there is a, a big cemetery full of people who try to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure man the philosophers are still working on that one <laughs> since time immemorial yes very very true it, it, very true it, it's the last thing i want to say is like i i just this beautiful thing that saint augustine said about time 
I said, I know what time is, but when you ask me, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's, that's a tricky one to explain yeah. <laughs> accurately. <laughs> All right. Well, Roberto, I have a, just a, one more question for you, and that is, do you feel like playing a round of Not My Gig? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, let's see. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. One of your most popular pieces is a piece called Fandangos, I believe. Mm -hmm. And this was uh, played at the premiere of The Proms in, was it 2002 in uh, Royal Albert? Yeah. Uh, which is a really big deal uh, to have your piece uh, chosen to to be played then. It's an incredibly accessible, wonderful piece. And so we're going to see how much you know about the WWE professional wrestler who goes by the ring name Fandango. I, I have to say I, I know nothing, <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping. All right, here we go. <laughs> Fandango is from Portland, Maine, and trained under which wrestling coach? Was it A, Killer Kowalski, <laughs> B, Jeff Payne Painacek, or C, Max the Axe Axelrod? <laughs> Who do you think was his wrestling coach? Killer Kowalski, Jeff Payne Painacek, or Max the Axe Axelrod. I would say Killer Kowalski. You are right on, my friend. <laughs> it See, has to be, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if, I if I would be that man, I would train with that other man. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, one out of one. Here we go, number two. Originally named Curtis James Hussey, he wrestled under the ring name Johnny Curtis for several years but reinvented himself as Fandango mm. in 2012. What character was his wrestling persona based on? Mm -hmm. Was it A, a South American cowboy mm -hmm. named Fandango, B, a ballroom dancer, or C, a Fandango movie ticket mascot? That's, I think that's easy, and I hope I don't make a fool of myself by saying it, but it's the South American cowboy. It's actually the ballroom dancer. Oh, <laughs> he but, would come into the ring as a ballroom dancer with like a whole shtick and a costume, he, and that was his. You see, that, that pains me because the Fandango <laughs> is never dancing ballroom dancing. Uh, see? Unless, unless you, you, you had ballroom <laughs> dancing in the... A 17th century. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fandango obviously didn't do his research very well and missed a great opportunity to be a, a, a South American cowboy, but, which would have been a way cooler costume. Right? Yes, and uh, I was thinking of El Zorro because when people hear Fandango, they think that the Latin American thing with the hat and the castanets and all of right. that. So I thought it was because of that. But now that I say that, it makes sense the ballroom dancers, the castanets, and the, the fancy costumes <laughs> that they wear. Right, right. <laughs> it's all about the costumes, I think. Yeah. In the, in the wrestling world, anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. Here's your here's your third question, the tiebreaker. All right. In 2017, Fandango rebranded himself yet again. Oh, this is it's the same his, guy. Same guy. The same guy. 
<laughs> and what is his new name? Is it A, Fantastic, B, Fan the Fang Dango, or C, Dirty Dango? <laughs> Fantastic, Fan the Fang Dango, or Dirty Dango? I think Fantastic. <laughs> well, I fooled you on that one. That was mine. It's actually Dirty Dango. You see, is what I, he's going I with. thought that's his new name. I thought of that, but that sounded not like the guy who liked ballroom dancing. <laughs> see, you're using your. I think you might be overthinking it. I am just I a am. little bit. But, but of the three names, I thought the last one sounded the most provocative one, which is what you go for. But I then thought, how can a guy that likes ballroom dancing, and I don't know if the, your, your listeners here have ever seen ballroom dancing, but this is like an English thing that very elegant. <laughs> it's very formal. Well, maybe that was the, it was like dirty dancing, dirty dango. I, I, I think the most exotic thing they, they used to dance in ballroom dancing was the cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I am I a failure, a failure. <laughs> well, you came very, very close to success. You had, I, I, I was wondering whether or not you were actually maybe a wrestling fan there for a second. I was not a wrestling fan, but growing up in Puerto Rico, it was popular on TV, and I remember watching some of it. But then once you realize that the the, the chairs are not really hurting them, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Funny. Well, I hope we don't have any real wrestling fans in our listening audience. I'm guessing we may not have many who we've alienated, but <laughs> we've alienated one or two. Our apologies. Hey, We're having fun with not, old not, Fandango. No, nothing wrong with it. Long live wrestling. <laughs> Long live entertainment. That's right. That's right. We need it. Certainly nowadays. <laughs> Especially nowadays. And this is where normally in our daily, our weekly Zoom, we would digress into politics. That's right. But I'm ready. We will make the political decision <laughs> to not talk politics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tonight. Roberto, thanks so much for taking the time, man. This is really wonderful, really wonderful thoughts for our string players to hear. And uh, I'm sure everyone's going to be uh, really fascinated to hear the results of, of your work. I know thank I, for one, <laughs> am waiting for that last movement. <laughs> thank you, Tracy. My pleasure. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Okay, now get busy. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you want to stay in touch, please join the For the Greater Groove Facebook group. See ya. Groove on. <laughs>